live from the Pound and Grain Toronto podcasting studio. <laughs> Welcome to the Poundcast, episode, surprisingly, number 002. <laughs> surprisingly. We made it. <laughs> it. Sandy's listened and my dad's listened, so we're good to go. All right. Uh, today, on the Poundcast, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence as the new zombies. So we've got, uh, we're going to talk about the death of the beloved social experience known as Hitchbot. We're going to talk about sort of the rise of artificial intelligence and robots in pop culture and how that uh, AI is impacting everything else in the world. And of course, our favorite part, some digital pickage. Digital picks. And as you know, I'm Jackson Murphy. And I'm Nick Kewen. And we're from Pound and Grain, digital creative agency in Vancouver and Toronto, and we like to hear ourselves talk. That's all I care about, really. Fame, fortune, podcasting glory. We don't only listen to ourselves talk, we record it so we can listen to it ad infinitum. <laughs> exactly. That's all we need. So let's uh, let's get going. Let's talk about, you know, Hitchbot. Hitchbot, yeah. So I was looking earlier today, Nick, there was... 1.2 million results in the Google News um, algorithm when you plugged in Hitchbot. So Hitchbot, of course, the hitchhiking robot made famous for his decapitation uh, in August so far. And what I think is interesting is just that there's pro and cons to, to the whole Hitchbot debate. There's those who have fallen in love with our, our beloved can't walk, can't do anything, um, Hitchbot. And then there are haters of the Hitchbot. Um, Hitchbot haters. Yeah, haters gonna hate <laughs> Hitchbot. Uh, including, you know, some prominent kind of uh, uh, blogs and stuff like Deadspin, which normally is writing about uh, sports. But they called Hitchbot a literal piece of garbage and a garbage can with an iPhone in it. Um, and... Obviously, that their position is that it, is it really a big deal that some um, some people tortured and destroyed the Hitchbot while he was in the city of brotherly love? Well, I mean, in one sense, they're right. It it really was just that. But what Hitchbot was was the embodiment of an idea. So uh, for for the first while, the the reaction was po like overwhelmingly positive. He made it all the way across Canada, nineteen. Uh, uh, rides 10,000 kilometers. He made it in parts of Europe. He made it through two weeks of America mm -hmm. and then hit well, Philadelphia and Blama. There is a lot to be said about human nature when you examine the whole Hitchbog but, uh, debacle. <laughs> For instance, most people that I know of didn't talk about Hitchbot until Hitchbot was destroyed. There was a lot more publicity surrounding Hitchbot after his untimely murder. <laughs> that's a good. That's a, a really great point. So, like, it wasn't until uh, human nature kind of reacted to him in a in a way that was. Mm -hmm. And all violent. of a sudden, um, since his untimely death, I've read articles that talk about Hitchbot in like he was a, a human. Um, so, we've anthropomorphized the garbage can. That could talk to us. Yeah, you were saying like that was a like a Toronto Star article that that called him a he. 
They called him a he. Yeah. And also talked about the memorial for him. Um, people sending in their condolences. And there's going to be a funeral held for Hitchbot. Um, I don't know if there would have been the same sort of uh, parties and things like that held for Hitchbot. Vigils for Hitchbot. Vigils. If, if, if this uh, tragedy hadn't come about. If he'd made it from across the USA to San Francisco, well, people wouldn't have been like parading him down uh, Main Street, USA, and celebrating. People would have talked about him like he was a robot that somebody created, and it was almost just this like kitschy sort of thing to do to send him out on the road and have people cart him around for a while. Um, but when somebody destroyed him, all of a sudden we, we gave him human attributes. It seemed like he had died. And even in his like farewell post, like his his farewell tweets, because but uh, just just for those few people who are listening, aka my dad, uh, Hitchbot couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. They just put him out in the world, and people picked him up. He could take a picture every twenty minutes or something. He used GPS and his like internal computer to do some light conversating with you as like kind of a travel companion. That's kind of all he was. Yeah. He had some, some voice recognition software that would give you a response back that yeah. didn't always make sense. <laughs> he was cute that way. He was great, yeah. So kind of like first-gen robot, but not in a R2-D2, C-3PO type uh, future robot world. You really could have just sent an iPhone with Siri <laughs> across the country, and it would have done the same thing. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point actually was to see, to see how people reacted to this uh, this robot. And unfortunately, at least one person took issue with Hitchbot. Yeah, and I, I'd read some other articles that said that, you know, break time, right place, someone just like, oh, if this is a weird robot, I'm going to destroy it. Could have destroyed a Probably. car or anything, a vending machine. Probably didn't even know it was a robot. Yeah, just thought it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looked like garbage. <laughs> I also read that it was uh, potentially a, um, a prank by some bloggers yes that's like video bloggers yeah it seems like they were the last people to pick it up and, yeah. and maybe they constructed this whole thing we'll, we'll we'll see as it unfolds there needs to be a they didn't expect the backlash no they i think there, there could be like serial serial season two could be trying to find and uncover what happened to hitchbox <laughs> i'd watch that <laughs> at least listen to it i also demand vengeance <laughs> yeah. Yes, vengeance. Uh, see, that's what I mean. I think now there's a Kickstarter to raise money to to get them back up and running. Uh, maybe the vengeance thing is the next. But it's interesting that Hitchbot is kind of the tip of the iceberg of human robot relations. And uh, in two weeks in America, <laughs> that lasted and ended with a decapitated robot. It's just so sad. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if the Kickstarter raised enough money so that Hitchbot 2 is just, like, data from Star Trek? You know, like, <laughs> so he's, he's, he's skipped a few generations. Yeah, he's just, he's just like, you know, a human droid. I, the first I, one was a garbage can. <laughs> was second cool. was fully functioning, could drive a space, spaceship around the universe. Yeah, well, he will not, not get vandalized, that's for sure. Yeah. So do you think, well, maybe just, like, well, we, we're using this as a, a tipping point to talk about some other things around robots and artificial intelligence. But do you think this is kind of the next sort of big topic? I mean, I mentioned there's 1.2 million hits in, in Google News just about Hitchbot. The amount of news, even as we've spent the last, you know, hour 
prepping to, to record this, the news of, of um, articles in Slate about humans demanding the right to marry their robots, um, robots that, you know, are potentially being able to, like, think and learn and create their own kind of offspring in a really rudimentary way. But it, it just seems like it's exploding like crazy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem as, as much of a far-fetched um, fiction to say that uh, we will live with um, synthetic life at some point, uh, even within our own lifetimes. Uh, I think that that's possible even right now, uh, to some degree. So I, I think that, you know, what we've seen in, in TV and movies for years and always just taken as sci-fi is um, becoming to the average person something that's conceivable. I like this great transition, Nick, to get us to pop culture Yay. robots. Um, so Hitchbock, Hitchbock is really the kind of hot wings to our our delicious burger uh, main course. Um, and what? Uh, where do we start? Do we start with with movies? Let's talk about our. We've talked about this in the office quite a bit. But uh, you want to start us off with uh, Ex Machina? Ex Machina, yeah, what a great movie! Unbelievable movie. I, I didn't know what to think when I when I was going into it. I had high hopes, but I, I'm always skeptical, and I, I walked out just saying, you know, that was that was amazing. And uh, so why? Why was it so good? So I'm going to try to talk a bit about the movie without giving any spoilers to anybody that hasn't seen it. But the basic plot is about a scientist that brings one of his employees to a remote location to perform a Turing test. What is that, Jackson? You're on. I know you know what that is. Well, that's the, isn't that the the, the 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 name of that movie that um, uh, Sherlock was in? Um, Alan Turing, the the scientist from World War II. The um, Imitation Game. The Imitation Game. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's he he was uh, someone who d designed the test. But what what was the actual test? It um it was just to see if uh, a robot could fool a human moderator into thinking that it was human, um, and it was supposed to be the sign of true AI. So the conceit of the movie is that the scientist brings this guy to his remote location to see if he can perform a Turing test on this robot that he has created, or the scientist has created. Um, and the robot's incredible. Like, that doesn't spoil anything. Like, the, the robot that this, like, you know, vaguely Google-esque Elon Musk-type character mm -hmm. living in this fabulous... Um, actual real hotel um, set in Norway, yeah. the, this this amazing place called the Jouvet Landscape Hotel, which I am absolutely in love with and want to stay there. It's like this magical, futuristic-looking house-type place in the woods in Norway. That's a hotel. Yeah, wow. you can stay there. Amazing. Wow. They make a big deal of the kind of connection between it and the movie. I mean, a lot of it was all the interior interior scenes were filmed on a studio in, in London, but. Um, the the out, outdoor and the kind of set was the, like a real place, which is not a little eco hotel in Norway. Amazing. Wonder Learning to stay there. I think it's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Undoubtedly expensive. But when you say the robot's amazing, you mean the robot was amazing in the movie, or the movie's design of the robot was amazing? Because I love the way that she looked. Uh, spoiler: It's a she. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. We should have like a spoiler alert uh, sound effect. That, oh, that's uh, not a spoiler. She's <laughs> in the poster. That's right. She's in the main poster, and they're they're great um, online kind of uh, marketing digital stuff. 
like where you can um, have Ava sketch you. So she's the robot, and she can do like an intelligent sketching of you, which is really cool. They're uh, amazing. Uh guerrilla marketing technique around South by Southwest when the movie came out was to have Ava on Tinder. Very smart, because she's beautiful. She's beautiful, and she wasn't, it was, it wasn't the actress, Alicia Vikander. It was her pictures with Ava, the character. So, um, if you were Tindering around that time. <laughs> in South by Southwest. Around South, in South by Southwest, which I'm sure a lot of people were, a lot of men, they were potentially talking to an artificially intelligent, beautiful android. Very cool. Very very cool. Yeah, but I think like what I'm what I meant on the, just cool to see like more of like, uh, you know, not fully like you don't see it her fully as like a human yet, but like she she really has those attributes that feels mm. like there's more going on than just transistors and totally you know. Um, so she wiring. doesn't look like a human, but you come to empathize with her as a human. Yeah. So like. Um, at one point, hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler, but, um, just as an empty threat, the scientist talks about rewriting her code, which would essentially be like a murder. And I found as a viewer, I didn't want that to happen. You know, you no more, in. no more than you would want any human character to be murdered by their father. So I thought, you know, and I think that's, it's the parable to the feel, the outpourings of feelings to Hitchbot, like people um, there was another story uh, earlier this year where uh, they'd created a robot dog and the scientist had this video and he kicked it and people were, just to show how stable and sturdy the robot was, not to be cruel to the robot, but just to demonstrate that they built this like really incredible, robust uh, machine mm -hmm. that was capable of withstanding great strain. That translated into like a big backlash of people saying they were being cruel to the giant robot dog that they'd created. Well, I mean, that says so much about humans' um, ability to project our own emotions onto devices. Yeah. So, like, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that when we do have robots living in our, in our houses that look like humans, we will treat them like humans. It just, it, it seems to make perfect sense. We anthropomorphize anything. Yeah. So Great you, word use, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Looked it up right before. I came <laughs> that's not true. I already knew it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what's going on in uh, AMC's new show, Humans, as well. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, similar, kind of not-too-distant future, very recognizable London setting where they've gone... It's not just one robot, like in Ex Machina, it's... Robots have proliferated culture and life, and they are doing the lion's share of uh, whether that's home care or health care for, for elderly mm -hmm. or, you know, the manual labor type stuff. Mm -hmm. They're definitely being caught up in the sort of adult entertainment industry, which clearly that industry always is on the leading edge of technology, obviously. Obviously. Um, and showing how humans are dealing with them in a very real, you know, socio-economic kind of way in terms of, like, jobs are at stake because you can get a robot to work mm -hmm. all day. The, those are the aspects that I love about that show. Uh, I have my own qualms because I think that just for the sake of entertainment, um, you know, a plot had to be developed within the show. 
that I think takes away from those aspects. I want to see more of an examination of that type of thing. Um, like there's an old man in, in the show that can't part with his out of date robot helper because he thinks of him as a son. I'd like to see more of that relationship. Yeah. That's really interesting. Or the man whose wife leaves him because their robot helper in the house is this, you know, 25 year old buff dude <laughs> that she falls in love with. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, just to get a little deeper into that, I think I would have liked out of humans. Yeah. I still think it's a great show. I'm, I'm fun with it, but I, th those are the aspects of it that are really interesting or the workers out of their jobs. So they create this ring to just destroy, um, since, yeah, you know, like that's their whole, that's, that's what they do for anything. Yeah. There's like a real backlash and, uh, maybe we can, we can, we can expand beyond pop culture, but the backlash of, of even taxi drivers to Uber drivers and how technology is disrupting that industry is nothing compared to what happens when we get into a place where it's driverless cars versus humans and how big of an impact that will, will mean in terms of jobs. Like it's, it's a huge job industry in North America, truck drivers. It would just destroy blue collar America. I, I read something that's like an estimated, you know, Eight million jobs in America would yeah. be disrupted, yeah, due to the driverless car. Not to mention other potentially ethical issues going on with the driverless car. Which are interesting to talk about. Do you want to talk about those right now? I think this is. I opened up a can of worms, and we should go down it. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my thinking on the driverless car is is really interesting because, well, I find a a, a couple of reasons. One, just. I'll read a few little things um, from Elon Musk. So he's the sort of, I don't want to call him a super villain, but like he's the Tesla guy. He's the like SpaceX guy. He's, he's super rich billionaire who made his money from PayPal. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, he's probably secretly creating some sort of robot army in like an underground layer somewhere for his future takeover. Of Definitely. World. But paradoxically, he's also pumping tons of money into making sure that there's research going into, um, Stopping the the robot uprising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's stopping everyone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's brilliant. But I he he kind of like talked about the driverless car things as as a way. And, and I'll quote here. I think it's just going to become normal, like an elevator. They used to have elevator operators. Crazy to think that that used to happen. Oh yeah. And then when we develop some simple circuitry to have elevators just come to the floor that you're at, you just press a button. Nobody needs to operate the elevator. And the car is going to be just like that. I completely agree with that. And I, 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 I despite I, the economic impact, I would like, I would stand up and cheer for it. Given my earlier this week, my five hour endurance test of uh, three highways mm -hmm. to go see the Rogers cup, uh, North of Toronto, which I never saw any tennis because it was rained out, <laughs> but all be all because of traffic and the human errors that come from traffic yeah. that could all be avoided if, all the cars on the road were being controlled, operated, and done by robots. There would be no accidents. There would be no backups. Everything would be totally. perfect, smooth, uh, lane-changing, turn-offs. You could be in the back seat having a beer. Life would be good. So, I mean, like, it's utopia, really. But I actually have, have two things to say to that. One is that driving can be fun, so that's one thing that's... Uh, yeah, do you think in the future there'll be like there'll be the driverless cars, and then there'll be like the opportunity to 
have the nostalgia drive yourself, or... Maybe you'll go to a track. You'll have to go to some sort of special highway. Yeah, or you'll just strap on your VR headset. <laughs> right? <laughs> you won't actually go into the car. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's interesting that, like, you take away the human error of driving or the, the challenge of that and the, the fact of them being, like, you know, fast-running death machines and letting robots take over. But you're right, there's going to be the human feeling of I'm going on a road trip and I have my playlist and I go off and I go on a twisty, windy, windy road and I'm in control. Will you still be able to do that? An interesting question. Hard to say. I think that what would be more of a, a determining factor in this whole thing would be the safety aspect. I think that Elon Musk even went into that a little bit. Um, that there will come a time where people will talk about you know how how is it possible that we 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 operated these two ton death machines? That's on what he own. calls it. Yeah, yeah. But it's and I can see that because um, with, with every um, technological safety improvement that we come up with, it's hard to look back on what we had before and think that it doesn't just look like a death trap. You know, you look in any car; there's just like they're laden with airbags. If you look at a car from the 50s, it's just like, it just looks like everything's hard surfaces. Like, why would, how could anybody drive around in that thing, right? Or even helmets on motorcycles. Any, any sort of safety upgrade that we make, yeah. we think, how could you go back? So if the safety angle is pushed in driverless cars, then it would be tough for people to uh, step backwards on that, I think. Yeah. Once you feel secure, it's hard to step outside of that. Yeah, I think it's like it's it is an interesting one that's not too far off from humans. It's it's really close in terms of uh, a fight that will happen in our lifetimes of of getting people out of the cars and onto the road. And there is this dilemma though. Ooh, I'm actually, like I'm going to read it. So you're traveling along a single lane mountain road in an autonomous car that is fast approaching a narrow tunnel. Just before entering the tunnel. A child attempts to run across the road, but trips in the center of the lane, effectively blocking the entrance to the tunnel. The car has but two options, hit and kill the child, or swerve into the wall on the other side of the tunnel, thus killing you. So, the ethical decision that the driver would have made is now placed on the car. It's deciding for you. What does it do? That is... You really just pulled this out of thin air and just dropped this truth bomb on us. Truth bomb. Dang. Uh, I want to see that in an episode of Humans. I want to see the ethical car uh, choice. I think that the car choice would be to kill the driver. Yeah. There would I, be, I think that you'd program it to be like, well, the kid's going to live longer, so you're, you know, maybe if you're of a certain age, maybe it like swerves dangerously off the side but if you're like you know old it just like totally goes for it that's the thing yeah there's so many factors yeah like <laughs> if you're old <laughs> well i mean it's, just it's like, like the car is gonna yeah maybe if you're 17 maybe yeah. it goes like oh it's close maybe we'll we'll side with the driver the, the car is gonna assess your possibility at a long and fruitful life yeah and yeah. take <laughs> take out the the poor loser yeah who tripped and fell in the middle of the road well, that's, you know, if I'm elderly, I'm not getting an autonomous car that's anywhere near tunnels. Yeah. I would think that there would have to be, but I think that then there would be a whole bunch of other 
um, tertiary robot-like things to prevent this, like the robot that, like, prevents people from getting on the road, and the the robot that, like, you know, is a drone that's, like, constantly searching and making sure that, that that's not going to happen. So well, you see it beforehand. Now we're just creating a sci-fi universe in our minds. In our yes! <laughs> Finally. That's all we really wanted. <laughs> that's another great segue, though. What, should we talk about last, like, upcoming more pop culture stuff? Like, HBO getting in on this action? Yeah, let's talk about the HBO show. <laughs> How can we not? Yeah. <laughs> So HBO has their own show uh, coming up in 2016 called Westworld, uh, a seemingly weird sci-fi show starring Anthony Hopkins, a bunch of other great actors, Ed Harris. Um, HBO describes that, because it's so pretty in a tease phase right now, a dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness and the future of sin. The future of sin. Edge of, I'm on the edge of my seat already. I'm in. I love that. The future of sin. Yeah, you just know it's I'm still be... grappling with our present sin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, so this this uh, is based on some source material. It was a 1973 Michael Creighton movie, Mr. Jurassic Park. Um, and the idea here is that it's kind of this futuristic amusement park that uses robots to kind of create, you know, Places like the Old West or like ancient Rome or whatever the uh, humans can concoct and kind of think about and kind of brings you into this world of robots, 3D printing, craziness that only HBO can do. Yeah. I, well, it sounds so... I, I want to go back and see the original. I haven't... I admit I hadn't heard of it. And it features Yule Brenner. <laughs> uh, of course... Who looks like a cowboy, but he's actually a robot. It's it's tough to understand. But, yeah, like um, the robot cowboy played by Yul Brenner, um, now being played by Ed Harris. I love how it's Ed Harris. Yeah, he's amazing. And Anthony Hopkins, just bringing these guys back. And yeah. Didn't Anthony Hopkins retire? I, well, he hasn't been in a lot lately. No, he actually retired. Really? HBO just tossed enough money he just out. just like, come back. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard of that. Again, I read an article about... Gene Wilder, who's been retired since about 2003, and he'll only come back for certain directors, and apparently Spielberg's trying to get him, and this is, spoiler alert, for... Um, Ready Player One. Yeah. <laughs> so that too. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, so this one seems a lot more like an HBO spin on the same thing they've done with um, vampires and um, werewolves and the same kind of formula they've done for um, crime the same kind of formula they've done for fantasy, nerds, politics whatever it is HBO has this kind of inherent um, way to make any ridiculous genre that used to be not as popular and they add sex appeal mm -hmm. um, plot lines, violence and then all of a sudden just like oh yeah I never would have watched a western before because they're super boring and nobody mm -hmm. likes them anymore HBO's making it. It's about robots. They're 3D printing, and it looks sexy and crazy, and there's robots fighting. And it just, I mean, visually, it looks great. I mean, just from that teaser, it looks amazing. Yeah. I guess HBO has that much money. That's the other thing. It's like, no matter what they do, it, it's going to be visually appealing. Um, aside from that, I, it's tough to get much from that, that teaser. I'm excited for it, just yeah, based 30, on that. 30 seconds is not a lot to base... An analysis on. It's tough to 
really even understand what's going on, except that I love genre mashups, and um, that's that's your your main takeaway. That's the, yeah. the biggest thing that I can glean from it. It's sci-fi, western. I'm in. Yeah, it seems like it could be like if it takes off and it's great, you could do different seasons in different genres and have this kind of continuing thing where each season could be a, like a total reinvention of itself. You mm-hmm. know, you you're done with the Wild West and then you're going to go to, um, you know, 1700s New York or something. Like, you could really see a, a way that the show could see how these robots play out and some of these issues we've been talking about today. There, there is something also interesting about how we're talking about a show that's um, about AI to some degree that's based on a concept that was developed in 1973. It's, it's like, have we not come up with uh, new and interesting ideas? Don't we have anything... No? I think we have this... I think the challenge is, like, we've been creating the future all along through sci-fi, and only as we're kind of going along is it starting to, like, pay off dividends. So it'd be interesting if we get 10, 15, 25 years into an AI world where we actually have working robots at our side, washing our dishes, cooking our food, Mm -hmm. um, driving us around. What does the future of sci-fi hold is kind of an interesting place for us I, I think they would be out of uh the real world in, in all sense like we would just be integrated into a digital world maybe we're maybe we already are maybe we already are <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we are in the matrix mind blown special effects sound yeah. effects jackson just offered me a blue or red pill yeah which should i take <laughs> take them both and it'll be fine just <laughs> as long as you listen to the pound cast i love how you're morpheus maybe i'd be morpheus that would throw everyone for a little that would, that would be, yeah. Like, I'm working secretly working for you. I yeah. like it. Well, let me... Uh, I, I, I like that there's so much of this stuff going on. We've kind of gone beyond zombies, and now we're into robots. But here's, like, to use a baseball analogy, mm-hmm. Nick. A softball slow pitch right down the middle of your wheelhouse. Are we just, like, slowly crawling, waltzing towards Skynet and an eventual robot takeover and our enslavement, Planet of the Apes style, by our robot overlords. Is that what's happening? Well, Jackson, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my advice is to start stockpiling weapons, and it would be best to start developing some fighting and survival skills as well. Uh, Sarah Connor is a great <laughs> role model for this. Also, John Connor, who may have been a little maladjusted, Due to his upbringing, but he had his eyes on the prize when the time came. You know, when when Skynet hit the fan, he was ready. He also had old school Arnold Schwarzenegger to help him. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so that could be an option too. You could is that. co-opt the robots, overlords, and get your own, and then protect yourself from that. Yeah, and you know, Corporal Reese was his father, so he came from good lineage. <laughs> <laughs> guy was a fighter but I know we've we've, we've drifted wildly off course um, in one sense but not in another yeah I guess the the challenge here is what if all these robots in the real world or in the pop culture world have anything to do with digital marketing it's a good question <laughs> it is that's why why we're why we're here but we had to have all that fun part it's interesting of what even just some of the simpler aspects of, and this this is to tee up when we get into the picks. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm just going to break it down here. Here in Toronto, um, news uh, of a lawyer robot. Um, so the University of Toronto um, sort of had a, a group of students that kind of incubated this idea of this super robot mm -hmm. based on the IBM kind of Watson smart chess playing one Jeopardy kind of robot. And uh, his name is Ross. They all have these clever names and they all sound like super smart. And basically now this this startup that's come out of, of the U of T is being funded by the world's largest law firm because the robot's sole goal or gift to the world is that he can scan through millions and millions of legal documents mm -hmm. and spit out answers for the lawyer. Which... What, what do we need the lawyer for in that case? Well, that's who you pay the $600 an hour for. Does he still deserve that, though, if we have the robot? <laughs> have a robot. Well, now you think maybe you can get your own robot to do your your legal wear. No, no offense to our lawyers, but I, I would imagine that... But what will smart people go to school for now to make a lot of money? Well, that was kind of like, isn't that kind of where we started with Google? Is like, why go to school if you can just Google things? Why go to law school if you can just ask a robot to tell you what to do in a particular course? That's actually, that was an aspect of uh, the show, Humans, to go back to the show. But an aspect of it that I really liked was the teenage girl, um, who was obviously very intelligent, had no interest in going to school. She just couldn't make herself care because she felt that humans were obsolete. And she made the point in the show that you can spend seven years in med school to become a doctor while a synthetic could be uploaded a wealth of medical information in seconds. So learning and work are both pointless. That's a bit depressing, but yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the real end of humanity. It's not the Terminator War. We'll just give up because we don't <laughs> need to do anything. But let's transition mm -hmm. to a couple picks that we have, because I know you have... It's a pick, but it's also an article, but it's kind of like the future of marketing with robots, or like what is what could be the possibility? Um, so this article from Campaign that I read today, from this week. It's, it's timely. It's, <laughs> it's topical. Yeah. It um, talked about the possibility of brands actually uh, sending or creating a robot helper for people for specific industries. So um, there's a ton of tech that's coming out now that's health related. So uh, this talks about the possibility of a Nike robot. I mean, showing up at your door and being your personal trainer. You know, it seems genius. It does, and it maybe it's the logical uh, progression from the Fitbit or the app that works with your shoes to track your steps. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a logical marketing progression. It Think seems a little outlandish, but there's it, it, the article also posits that the, the possibility of a style bot yeah. being sent to your door. So um, this a robot helper to tell you what shoes to wear. Help you put your pants and tie your tie. Not just tie your tie. Tie the most stylish tie, tie. you can. Like he'd be like, this is the bow tie for you. Right. Because, you know, you have... You have no eye. You've got the money yeah. to buy a style bot. I see it like just bringing it back to the Nike example. You pay Nike pays, you know, a hundred million dollars to LeBron James um, to be to wear the shoes. But like, think of like how much money, more money they could pay LeBron James to like create like a line of LeBron James. 
things like trainer robots that show up and play one-on-one basketball with you in the shoes. So, like, you get the shoes, you get the robot, it's the likeness of LeBron James, or if you don't like LeBron James, it's your Kobe Bryant one, or, like, Mm -hmm. maybe you go retro robot and you get, like, the Michael Jordan, like, um, Mm -hmm. Chicago Bulls version, like, whatever you want, you could get, like, a robot tailored to, like, your uh, team um, uh, affiliation, your favorite player, your, um, you know, favorite sport, and then that's the robot that you work at. It's not some faceless, nameless robot. It's a branded Nike product with the likeness of the biggest sports players of all time, and you just, like, just hand it over your money like you do with Apple currently. What what if um, you hand over your money to just watch the Nike robot play? (laughs) Why do we need LeBron at all? (laughs) Why why don't we just go to these games and then, or in the future, in this future that we're talking about? Yeah. And we'll go watch the Nike robot battle the Adidas robot. I like it. Or the like Google you, robot. Or even better, like what if you go down to the playground and you bring your robot down and you like challenge like other people for like a two on two kind of like thing and it's you're still getting some you're still getting some exer- exercise, but it's like you and your robot. I mean, maybe if you want some exercise, but for pure entertainment value, yeah, I imagine in this future, watching humans play sports would just suck. It would be like they're so bad. Yeah, they're just terrible. Like they miss shots. And... <laughs> Same thing about the drivers. So yeah. like, so basically, the football could be like the perfect explosion of uh, force, muscle. Um, Science and playmaking. Mm. No humans on the on the gridiron for your NFL Sunday game or your CFL Sunday game. It's just robots, like with no fear of a neck injury or no arm problems. They just like go until they're like completely destroyed. Do you, you imagine the? Well, it might actually get boring if like there's every play is just exceptionally amazing. Yeah, but maybe it is the natural progression because yeah. if you look at any. Sport, sporting event from 100 years ago, um, they just weren't as impressive as we are now due to our medical standards and our, the science that is, uh, allows us to push our boundaries even further, medical science. But I don't see why it shouldn't progress into uh, technological science that allows, you know, maybe in the future basketball game, uh, the nets will be 50 feet high. Oh, so you just get, like, incrementally... Crazy bird. Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Get that bot bird. Or just think of, like, how, like, back to, like, how hot uh, baseball is in Toronto right now um, with the Jays uh, play, how, like, they could be just crushing home runs, like, out of the stadium like they've never done before. Or the robot could be throwing at 200 miles an hour. At least. (laughs) But it's interesting. And then they wouldn't have the branded... um, you know, celebrity players, they'd have to be robot celebrities. And then, like, real purists would go and watch humans play, but it's so slow that it's like watching a chess match. Yeah, so do you, uh, we've, we've touched on this a bunch of times, despite all the robot, like, advances, will there be these, like, little clusters of, like, um, like, the similar to, like, organic chicken, <laughs> it's, like, organic, all-natural football with real humans, Versus, like, rock'em, sock'em, robot football that you go to the big stadium for. I hope so. I hope we don't do away with all human physicality and ingenuity. Yeah. By just allowing robots to be better than us in every way. Yeah. 
And also, on that note, I think it would be wise if we never make hum or robots physically stronger than us. Because that's just like... That would be really smart. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like in every movie and TV show, they can just like punch through doors and crush our throats with their hand and I don't know, whatever they want they to should do. They're, all so, be, they're always super strong. They should all be C-3PO or R2-D2. Like yeah. Half, like, like barely evolved from Hitchbop. Incapable of real harm. Perfect. And we should absolutely never make them out of liquid metal so that they can... <laughs> Crap, <laughs> knives and stabbing objects with their hands. Liquid metal, total no-go. Yeah, and they can also like shapeshift to look like other people, so that's just like, just keep the garbage can. <laughs> I like it. No, I, I like how we brought it back to some digital marketing, and, and I was going to throw in my pick, which is something I saw also today, because there's so much robot news. Like, like, we could do a whole podcast series, like, robot news. Nibusha? Like... <laughs> You heard it here first. Maybe like the next podcast is going to be Robot News with Nick and Jackson. <laughs> uh, but my thing was an MIT um, project uh, solving the age-old question of how to get another beer without getting it. Um, so what they've worked on... <laughs> yes, the finest minds in all of America <laughs> at MIT are working on what they affectionately and smartly called beer bots. If, if we were less progressive, there would have been a joke in there about a wife and but we aren't no we aren't at all no we're not donald trump no that's like that's our grandfather's joke yes our, and it might be insensitive to talk about robots going to get beer for us like that'll be the future that'll well. be the future because yeah. it'll be mean and cruel that they have to like um they're basically um bartending slaves well they're gonna want equal rights obviously uh but the the beer bots are just technically uh a bartending robot the one that serves the drink and a robot to deliver the beer on these little carts. Um, perfect for the home. Again, to your point, they're not robots that look like humans. It's a giant arm that does the bartending and then kind of like um, a glorified tray with wheels that delivers the beer to you while you're on your lazy boy. Perfect. See, yeah. that, that thing's not you know, be involved in any sort of uprising. Practical, solves problem, great user experience. Fresh beer all the time. Right. You're, you're satiated nonstop. Exactly. Like, and kind of drunk. Yeah, great for the economy because beer sales is going up. Yeah, I mean, it solves so many problems. That's my future. And that's uh, that's uh, the picks. And that's uh, the podcast. Uh, I almost said podcast. We didn't trademark this to the death. Yeah. Get those lawyers before they're robots and charging us up the wazoo. I don't even know what a podcast is anymore. That word's dead to me. Poundcast is for us. So, uh, thanks for listening, uh, as we did the first time. Send any suggestions, feedback, robots, toys, um, love letters for Nick, and uh, <laughs> gifts for me to hello at poundandgreen.com. And we did it last time, and we figure we'll do it this time. Nick's going to do a little... Exit. Radio outro? Radio outro! Okay. Like, big time. You can find the Poundcast in the iTunes store, and don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for your regular digital marketing news, and find our weekly wrap-up in the best in digital marketing, the weekly wins at poundinggrain.com every Friday. So good. Thank you. Yeah, no robots were harmed in the making of this Poundcast. Except for the one that I'm going to go destroy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Okay. laughs>